this morning. Uh, we're going to continue our summer in the Psalms, if this will uh, cooperate with me here. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 8 this morning. Um, and this is, we've been taking each week and we've been looking at kind of one word uh, in each psalm. And today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 8. And this one we're going to concentrate on the word above. And you'll see that throughout this as we read this scripture. But, you know, names aren't nearly as important now as what they used to be. They, they still carry a great deal of meaning uh, as we're naming children, as we're giving identity and a name to someone. But it's not nearly as important as what it used to be because that, that was a big deal. It would oftentimes sometimes take years for families to decide upon a name for a child. Uh, and, and just one of the, the more humorous things that I can remember is when Kim was, was pregnant with Rachel, we had, uh, you know, before we knew the gender of the baby, we were talking about possible names for both boys and girls. And we were sitting there, and, and I had convinced my wife that at that point that I was an incredibly deep thinker. Uh, she quickly figured that out and is under that illusion no longer. But we were talking about possible names, and I said, hey, if it is a boy, we can, we can, we can name him Joseph Montana James. And she paused for a minute. She went, oh, I, I kind of like that. That's... That's kind of got a nice ring to it. And again, just to show the level of my depth of thinking, I went, we could call him Joe Montana. <laughs> and she went, no. And I don't think that she's taken me seriously ever since then. But this morning in Psalm chapter 8, David, King David, who authors this particular psalm, starts us with a question. He asks a question and he addresses it in through the entirety of this chapter of Psalm chapter 8. And that's the question of why is God's name so excellent on the earth? Why is, God the, why is this name the name above all names? Why is there no rival? Why is there no equal to him in his name? And as you turn to Psalm chapter 8, there are a few things that I want us to keep in mind, just because I'm not going to have the time to really dedicate it to it this morning. But one of the things that we need to be aware of in Psalm chapter 8 is that it begins and it ends with the same statement. So that's, that's a, a technique called inclusion. So basically you have the beginning of the chapter and then you have the end of the chapter and both of them are pointed at the exact same thing, this theme throughout this psalm. And it's also one of the things that I want you to be looking for and have in the forefront of your mind as we go through this is this concept that we see as kind of an undercurrent in this psalm itself where God takes weakness to show his strength through the weakness. And Psalm 8 is kind of also unique that it doesn't really call us, it doesn't necessarily call us to a specific action. It doesn't call us to really any type of movement other than to worship God, to be astonished by God, and to be in awe of him. And that's what we see out of Psalm 8, when David, the, the beginning and the end of it is this, is, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Now, let's read Psalm chapter 8 this morning. We're going to start with verse 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory 
above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let's pray this morning. Father, I am just so thankful to be here with my brothers and sisters this morning. I'm thankful for those who are here in church this morning. I'm thankful for those who are watching online. And God, I'm just, again, so very thankful for this, um, for this technology that, that you have given us, that even in times when we are separated, that we can still be together. God, I uh, thank you for this time of being able to open your word to learn from your word, to, uh, to draw your word, and I just ask that for every ear that's hearing this message, that you would open hearts, you would open our minds, open our, our ears to hear your word and what you have to say to us this morning. God, I pray uh, for me right now that you would inspire me, that you would remove me as much as possible and allow your Holy Spirit to speak through me, that I could divide your word rightly and correctly, and in a way that's honoring to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So David begins verse 1 by talking about God's name, that there's something unique about God's name. And David says, in, in the version that I read out of the New King James Version, David says that it's excellent. Some other translations say that it's majestic. That God's name is excellent, it's majestic, it's stately, it's, it's kingly, it's glorious, it's the name that's above all names. And then he makes the statement as to where this name that is above all names, this name that is majestic, this name that is excellent, he gives us an idea of where it's excellent. When he says that in all the earth, how excellent or how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, there's no place that's too far. There's no place that's too close. There's no depths too deep, no heights too high, no lows too low where God's name is not above all names, where his name is not excellent, where his name is not majestic. For every tongue, every tribe, every nation, everywhere, his name is the great name above every other name. Then David goes on to close verse 1 by saying that you have set your glory above the heavens. Notice this statement. I think that this is an absolute beautiful statement because David starts with this proclamation of how excellent and how wonderful and how awe-inspiring and awesome God's name is. And then he says that you have set your glory above the heavens. And David just starts with this wonder, this astonishment, this this moment of how small am I and how big, God, are you? So verse 1 and 9, which is there's nine verses in this psalm, that's what we see, David making this statement of how excellent or how majestic 
the name of God is. And then in verse 2 and 8, he gives us ideas as to why and gives us these themes of what we need to do with that, how we need to respond to that, and the awareness that we need to have about ourselves in light of God's name being excellent. In verse 2 and verse 4, we kind of see that David begins to highlight our weakness and God's strength about the frailty of humanity, about the fallibility of mankind and how we fall so short and how we are incredibly weak. And he compares that and contrasts that with the power of the almighty God, the name above all names. In verse 3, I, I love this where it says that David considers. David considers, or he thinks about he ponders. Other verses say that he meditates on something. So David, in this verse, says that he takes, he pauses, and he takes a little bit of a step back, and he begins to consider. What does he consider? Well, let's look in verse 3, because it tells us, it says that he looks up into the heavens, to the moon, and to the stars. So David, in his looking, takes a step back, looks up, and begins to consider the awesomeness of God. Now, my question, and I think that we all struggle with this to some degree, is that my question to us this morning is, when was the last time that we actually took a step back? When was the last time that we actually paused long enough to consider God? To consider how excellent he is. To consider how majestic he is. To consider how powerful he is. Because we have this issue of where we get so caught up in the hecticness of our mundane, everyday life. It's kind of this, we get up, we do the same thing over again, we go to bed. It's kind of this rinse, lather, repeat type of thing. And we get so lost in what we're doing with the busyness of life, life that sometimes we don't take that opportunity to step back and consider God in all of his wonder, in all of his splendor, in all of his glory, and all of his mind. If you're, if you're a parent in here this morning, especially if you currently have young ones, maybe, maybe this is your day. No, no, no. No, I said no, no, please, please stop. No, just put it away. Put it, no, no, I can't do that. I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired, okay? I'm busy. I've got to do the dishes. No, I'm exhausted right now. Pl no, please, put it away. Put it away. Clean up your room. Can you please, please, please just do this for me? Please? No? Okay. All right, now go brush your teeth. Go brush your, and if you're not parents yet, I'm giving you something to look forward to, okay? Just go, just brush your teeth. Please, no, 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 you can't put the cat in the garbage can. No, please, no, just get ready for bed, put your pajamas on. No, lay back down, please. No, 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 it's bedtime. No, no. Anybody ever had a day similar to that with your kids? M my mom never has because I was just the, the perfect angel, right, mom? Yeah, yeah, okay, She's, <laughs> she, um, she wasn't real convincing on that one. And then at that point, maybe the kids finally go to bed and you get that glorious five to ten minute window with your spouse when the conversation just goes like this. I am absolutely exhausted. I don't know if I can do this again tomorrow. And then what do you do? You wake up and you do it again tomorrow. 
then maybe we've not even considered the work factor into this. You go to work and you face this, this pressure, these deadlines, these, these to-do lists, and, and all of the influences and the atmosphere that may not be the most positive thing at work. And we've got all of these things, these pressures, these temptations, these struggles, these, the, the, everything that's going on in our world today. We set back and we have a tendency to get so lost in the microscopic moments of our lives that we fail to take a step back and look and consider God and consider his excellent name consider his majestic name and his glory and that's what David does here David takes this step back and it says that he considers this name that's above all names and when he does this I love this question that comes forth from David in this moment because he's He's made this statement of, God, your name is excellent. You know, you're, you're above all the earth. You're above the heavens. And then he takes a step back and says, the moon, the stars, everything. And then he asks this question in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? You see, what David's doing here is he's having this realization that's coming upon him of not only how excellent and majestic is God's name that's above the earth, but he sees all of this, this, this moon, the stars, all of these galaxies, and he has this recognition and this realization that this is nothing for God. This is so big for me and so massive for me, but for the creator of the universe, for my God, this is nothing. This is just the works of his fingertips. And then he makes this statement of, who am I that you are mindful of me? And here's where we begin to see this picture of how, how little we are and how big God is. You see, when we step back and when we consider and when we meditate on who God is, then that is the realization that we're forced into that he is so significant and I'm, I'm pretty insignificant. I'm pretty frail. I'm pretty flawed. I'm pretty fallible. And without him, there's nothing. Without him, man, I am absolutely nothing. And talking about the, the frailty and the feebleness of man, I got a couple things, a couple examples in my life that really brought this home to me. Now, listen, I, I understand that in many of your eyes, I am still relatively young. And, and the reality is, is I'm a middle-aged man, all right? I'm 42 years old. I, I'm, I'm in the middle age area of my life right now. But I was sitting the other day in my recliner, tying my shoes. Pretty harmless, right? Pretty harmless activity. Tying my shoes. I get them tied and I stand up and I apparently made some kind of noise that resembled being mauled by a bear. I'm not for sure because my wife... She came, she's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> How are you? She's like, well, I was just curious. I didn't, I was a little worried about you. I heard what, I was like, I didn't even realize I made a noise. I didn't even know I was doing that. Then not too long ago, I was, you know, I was out doing some, some yard work. I was weed eating. I was just working around in the yard and I'd spent a couple hours doing that, and I got, came in, got cleaned up, and I, I sat down in my chair, had a, had a little bit of food, and then I get up, and, and for about the first 10 to 12 steps, 
it was kind of like this. You know, that, that slow progression and that movement of, of uncoiling there. You know, and those are, those are humorous examples, but I mean, really, doesn't that just, shouldn't that just show us kind of the frailty of mankind? I mean, you know, we, could, we could talk about some more serious ones because when we look at the Garden of Eden, when we look at sin, when we look at that weakness, and, and we see that frailty. Anytime that you, I'm sure that you can look in your lives, everybody at home, you can look in your lives and see that these times that we have tried to do things on our own and fix things on our own without God, we see just how frail and how fallible that we are. But I love this, that... God is mindful of us, and he cares for us. And both of those, that, that mindful, that word mindful and that word cares, are both active present tense verbs. It's not something that he was mindful of us at one point, or he cared for us at one point. It is an ongoing thing, that God knows you, that he's mindful of you, that he cares for you, that he loves you. He didn't just love you the moment that you got saved and then stop. He's not just going to love you in some futuristic tense, but not now. God is mindful of you, he thinks of you, and he cares about you. Even when we find ourselves in these places where we're going, God, are you even here? God, do you even see the struggles that I'm going through? Do you know what's going on in the world today? Have you seen everything that's happening? God, it's like my prayers are going out of my mouth and they're falling straight to the floor. God, are you even listening to me? Can you even hear me? Take solace whenever you feel that way because we all have felt that way, maybe currently feeling that way, or at some point in the future will feel that way. But remember the words of David in Psalm 8 here where he says that you care for me and you're mindful of me. In verses 6 through 8 in this passage, we see a kind of a hearkening back to Genesis chapter 1 where we're reminded that for whatever reason, God in his design, God in his creation decided that we needed to partner with him that we needed to have a role to play in his creation. And David reminds us of that, that God has given us a responsibility. And that blows my mind, that this God who created everything that we can see and so much more beyond that has said, I want you to partner with me. The New Testament calls that co-laboring with Christ, being yoked with Christ and co-laboring with him. Psalm, this, these two verses of 6 through 8, they also show up in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to read this really quickly. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. It says, It has been testified somewhere, which we now know is Psalm chapter 8, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little, while, a little bit lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for who a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You see, this brings our attention 
to this concept of Jesus, the Son of God. God Himself humbling Himself, lowering Himself, coming to earth in the form of humanity, living among us, dying for us, lived a perfect, sinless life, and we see Him going to the cross of Calvary for our sins as a payment, as a satisfying of justice, because there is nothing that you and I can do in our own power, in and of ourselves, that's going to satisfy the wrath and provide justice for the sin that's in our lives. So Christ came, lowered himself, humbled himself, and did it for us. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is the name that's above all names. And we see here in Philippians that that name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And there's nothing in existence, in heaven, in earth, under the earth, anywhere that is above the name of Jesus Christ. In closing this morning, I want to make three quick points of some, maybe some practical things, some, some action steps from us. The first is to look up. Take a moment, like David did, step back, consider God, meditate on Him, think about Him, put everything else away, put all the cares of this world as much as you possibly can, put them away, take a step back from them, lay them down, and step back and look up and look to the heavens to see and remind yourself who God really is. Because sometimes, if we're focused on the things in our lives, all these problems, all these difficulties, all these relationships, all these tensions, all of this strife, if we focus on that, then sometimes our view of God becomes what we're seeing. He begins to look an awful lot like what we're focused on. And sometimes if we're focused so, on our, so much on our problems, then we convince ourselves that God is no longer bigger than the problems that we have in our lives. But when we step back and we look up and we remind ourselves of who God is, that's when this, how excellent, how majestic, how glorious is your name. Secondly, live fully. And what I mean by living fully is only found in Jesus Christ. We talked about that in verses 6 through 8 about how he has given us responsibility. He has called us. He has, has, has issued us this command to work with him and to co-labor with him. And we can only live fully when we're living in him, working with him. And lastly, worship his name. Worship his name. Remember, just rejoice in Christ. As David began and ended, I want to do the same with this message today. I want this to be bookended this morning by the same phrase that David used. O Lord, our Lord, 
how excellent, how majestic, how glorious is your name in all the earth. Praise team, if you would, to come back up, please. Now this morning, I want to give everyone a chance to respond, and here's kind of how we're going to handle the invitation time um, during this season for those of you who are here in person. I believe that God calls our hearts to respond to His Word every time we hear His Word. Sometimes the responses look differently. But one of the things that we want to make sure of is if you're responding to God's calling on your heart for salvation, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you want to do that, then we're going to do the invitation time just as we always do. I would like to ask you to respond and come up during this song and allow us to pray for you, for you to make the best decision that you've ever made and give your heart to Jesus and be baptized. I ask that if you're here and you have other prayer requests and other responses, I ask that you wait until afterwards and either go to our website and fill out a prayer request thing there, or if you would like to contact me or our office, we'd be glad for you to do that. For those of you at home, if you want to make a decision for Christ, if you have other things that you would like for us to be praying about, fccgrayson.com, go to the prayer request tab. Guys, his name is the name that's above everything. How excellent, how majestic, how glorious is the name of Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please. God, we are so thankful for you. God, how excellent is your name. How majestic is your name. And God, we, we love you. Father, I pray for those hearts that are making decisions this morning that, that, that don't know you, that, God, I pray that they would respond with a resounding yes to your call. Father, each and every one of us are going through something. God, we need you. We need you now more than I've, I can ever remember in my life. But, God, allow us to remember to take a step back to recognize that you're the name above all names and for us to be able to look up in awe and reverence at just how glorious you truly are. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.